Let me pray for the, for the teaching this morning, too. I'm very excited about what, what the Lord's been teaching me about uh, lamenting. So, Lord, I pray right now, would you come and help me as I preach Psalm 22? And thank you so much for the encouragement and the strengthening and the just what you've given to me this week in my own heart. And I pray, Lord, that you would touch each of us with your word today. That we would be changed and encouraged and strengthened because of who you are. So come and work now, I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Good. Well, I want to start with a question, just to open up the topic. And the question is, what does Jesus want us to do? What does he want his followers to do at those times um, when you're feeling like hopeless or sad or heartbroken or fearful or maybe even like a little bit angry at God because you feel like you've been abandoned by God or abandoned by Jesus? What, What does Jesus want his followers to do at times when your heart's out of sorts? Okay, you're frustrated, you're bothered, you're sad, you're sorrowful, you're fearful, you're feeling hopeless. What does Jesus want his followers to do? Now, a lot of people take the response of um, what I'm calling pretending before Jesus. That's what a lot of us can tend to do. And it, it works like this. We think to ourselves, I'm feeling things that a follower of Jesus isn't supposed to feel. And because I'm not supposed to feel this way, I'm just going to ignore that I feel this way. And I'm just going to kind of stuff the way that I'm feeling and then when I talk to Jesus, I'll just pretend like everything's fine so that you know, he'll think I'm okay and, and everything's fine about that. So we, we pretend before Jesus. I know a lot of us, I would guess in a group this size, there's a, there's a chunk of us, and your pattern when your heart gets discouraged, out of sorts, fearful, discouraged, hopeless, you pretend before Jesus. Others, different approach, we tend to separate from Jesus couple different reasons. One is we might say, you know, followers of Jesus shouldn't feel this way, so I really shouldn't be talking to him now because I'm not in a very good place, so I'm not going to talk to him right now, so we separate for that reason. Or others, we separate from him because maybe you're just plain frustrated with him or disappointed in him, don't like how he's been doing things, and so you pull back for that reason. But what you don't do is you don't bring your heart to the Lord. You just carry that weight of hopelessness and discouragement and fear or sadness. You just kind of Carry that in yourself. Now, neither of those is what Jesus wants us to do. He doesn't want us to pretend before him. He doesn't want us to separate from him. What Jesus wants us to do at those times when we're feeling sad, discouraged, frustrated, even feeling like he's abandoned us, what he wants us to do at those times is to lament to Jesus. Lament, L-A-M-E-N-T. That's probably a word you haven't used a whole lot. But it is a great word word and i hope it'll become part of your vocabulary to lament before jesus is simply this it means you come before him as you are and you pour out your soul to him expressing exactly how you're feeling and you're calling upon him you're crying out to him and you're asking him to help you to comfort you to deliver you that's what he wants us to do at those times and that's what i want us to talk about this morning so we're doing this series on authentic prayer insights on prayer from the Psalms. And I want us to focus this morning on what I think is the most powerful Psalm of laments in the book of Psalms. And it's Psalm chapter 22. So let's go ahead and turn there. Psalm 22. 
you need a Bible, we'd like you all to be able to look on. So please raise your hand. I'd like you to be able to you know, look it up, follow along. Psalm 22 in the Bibles that we're passing out is on page 457 in those Bibles. Psalm 22. Now here's a little bit of background of what's happening. As you read through the psalm, and you'll see that because we're going to be reading through it in a moment. But just here's some, some background. David is at a very low point as he prays this prayer and writes this psalm. He's surrounded by men who want to kill him. See that in verse 20. And he's being publicly, openly mocked by the the populace. And as a result of these men who want to kill him and his being openly, publicly mocked, he's very fearful. So much so that he says in verse 14 that his heart has melted like wax. And all of this is coming together so that he feels, bottom line, like God has forsaken him. God has abandoned him. Look at verse 1. Starts right off. My God. My God, why have you forsaken me? He's not asking, have you forsaken me? He knows God's forsaken him. He thinks God's forsaken him. And he's asking why. So David is at a very low point. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay, now, where have you heard that before? On the cross, right? Jesus quotes... Psalm 22, verse 1, on the cross. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani is Aramaic, and what that's translated as is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So, get the picture. Jesus is is nailed to the cross in absolute agony, and the wrath of God is being poured out upon him for our sins, and he cries out the first verse of Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, what's happening when Jesus prays this? What's going on? What's he doing? I think there's two answers to this. One is that what's happening is prophecy is being fulfilled. Psalm 22 is full of prophecy given to David by the Holy Spirit of what would happen when Jesus was on the cross And David wrote this in about the year 1000 BC. So Jesus was crucified around the year 30, 33 AD. So over a thousand years before Jesus was crucified on the cross, David wrote these words. And this psalm is full of prophecy. Now, I got a little chart there in your notes. I'm going to put it up here on the PowerPoint too. But look at at this between Psalm 22 and Matthew 27. First, Psalm 22, 18. David says, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Matthew 27, 35. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Psalm 22, 7. David says, all who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. And as David's penning these words, I'm not sure if he knows it or not, but the Holy Spirit's giving him prophecy about Jesus. Matthew 27, 39. And those who passed by derided him wagging their heads. Psalm 22.8, David describes these people who are mocking him publicly. And what they're saying is, in mocking David, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Matthew 27.43, people at the foot of the cross, mocking Jesus, saying, he trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. Mockers. 
And then Psalm 22, 1. David says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27, 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So one thing that's happening here is that prophecy is being fulfilled. Prophecies that were given to David by the Holy Spirit a thousand years before Jesus was crucified. But that's not all that's going on here. What else is going on here is that Psalm 22 isn't just prophecies about Jesus' crucifixion. Psalm 22 is a prayer of lament that the Holy Spirit gave David and that David prayed when he was at a very low point and that then he wrote down so that godly men and women throughout church history could open up to Psalm 22 when you are at a low point You can open up the Psalm 22 and pray a a prayer of lament, just like David did and just like Jesus did when he was on the cross. I mean, picture Jesus on the cross. On the one hand, he is absolutely confident and knows exactly what's going on. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, right? He knew why he was being punished. He knew that he was purchasing you for salvation. He knew exactly what he was doing. On the other hand, at the same time, and there's mystery here, as God was pouring out his wrath upon Jesus and was forsaking Jesus, Jesus said, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? And prayed this prayer of laments. Okay, so I want to focus on this as a prayer of laments. That Jesus prayed when he was on the cross, that David prayed when he was at a low point, and that we can pray when we are at low points. And I just read through this, and, and it, it kind of broke down into six sections. I just kind of want to walk through them one at a time. The first five are what David does, and then the sixth is how the Holy Spirit changes him. This is very powerful. So first of all, David expresses his feelings to God. Look at verses 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you don't answer. And by night, but I find no rest. I love this. This is so powerful. David expresses the genuine, authentic, true feelings of his heart. He expresses them to God. And we, we need to learn how to express the true feelings of our hearts to God as well. Listen, we're all for biblical counseling, but if, if, if we could learn how to do this, you'd save yourself a lot of counseling. Okay, I guarantee you, because if you ignore what's happening in your heart, if you try to stuff What's happening in your heart? Oh man, you think it's going to go away? Has it ever gone away? It grows, it comes out in all kinds of even more destructive ways. If we could learn to take what we're really feeling in our heart and express it to Jesus, it'd be transforming as you'll see how David gets transformed here. So David does not pretend, oh God, you're great, I'm following you, everything's fine, glory be your name. He doesn't pretend 
Okay? He also doesn't separate from God. I'm angry at God. God's forsaken. I'm not going to talk to him. We tend to do one or the other. David laments to God. He expresses his heart feelings to God, and we should do the same, whatever they might be. Whatever they might be. Now that raised a question as I thought about it. Is it right to express anger against God? I've, is it right to express? I'm not sure that that's the question you can say either yes or no to. I think we got to kind of say at least two things about that. I, I've heard people say it's absolutely right to express your anger at God. God can take it. Well, of course God can take it. That's not the issue here. But just think for a second. When you're angry at God, I would guess probably most of us, if you've been honest, would, would admit that there's been times where you've been angry at, at, at God. But think about what's happening when you're angry at God. When you're angry at God, what you're saying is, God has done something unloving or unkind to me. Right? That's what you're saying. You're, you're accusing God of being unloving or unkind to you. That's why you're angry at him. But the truth is, if you're trusting Jesus, God never does anything unloving or unkind to you. Everything he does for you is loving and kind, even when you can't see it. There's lots of times we can't see it, right? So anger against God is not right. I think it's important to say that. Okay, so what do you do about it? What should you do if you're angry against God? Well, what you should not do is pretend or separate. I mean, if you pretend before God, oh God, I love you, I'm trusting you completely, everything's fine down here, amen, then you're adding the sin of hypocrisy to the sin of anger against God. Okay? Not good. So what should you do? So I would guess some of you, if you'd be honest, it's a little scary, but if you'd be honest about what's happening in your heart, you would say, I'm angry about at God for some things that are going on. What should you do? What you should do is you should tell God that you're angry. Ask him to forgive you, but tell him exactly what you're feeling. Ask him to help you. Ask him to help you see things the way you should. Tell him that you're sorry you're feeling angry against him and ask him to set you free from it. And he will. But see, the point is, Always express what is really happening in your heart to him. Learn to come to him and tell him exactly what you're, what you're feeling. That's exactly what David does here. So be like David. Oh, again, let me just, if, if we could learn to do this, I mean, some, I would guess some of us, we, strange anger rises up and, and, and bursts out at people. And we like, where did that come from? It came from stuffing anger down and not bringing it and laying it at the Lord's feet and, and wrestling with Jesus about this. So please, please, for your mental health, for your emotional health, for the glory of Jesus, learn how to express your heart feelings to God. I was just, just talking to a brother this week who's got a very tough work situation. I mean, totally negative environment, corporate culture. Just constantly being blatantly to his face insulted and offended. It's just the strangest thing. And, uh, and he shared with me what he's been doing and what the Lord's been doing. That he, he's been 
pouring his soul out before the Lord about all the feelings that are rising up as he's getting all of this and the ways that the Holy Spirit is touching him and freeing him and comforting him and encouraging him. This is absolutely vital. Learn from David's example. Express your feelings to God. So do we have that one? This is really important, okay? I would guess many of you do not do this or don't do this enough. Do it. Express your heart feelings to the Lord. Okay, second, David talks to God about his perfect faithfulness to his people. Now, this is really interesting what happens. Big switch from verses 1 and 2 to verses 3 through 5. Verses 1 and 2, David says, God has forsaken me. And then in verses 3 through 5, look at what he says. Yet, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. I think what David is saying is this. I'm feeling abandoned, forsaken by you, God. But, you are Holy, you are perfect in your faithfulness. You are so faithful to your people that all your people praise you. All of Israel praises you with such praises like you're, you're enthroned on their praises. That's verse 3. Verse 4. I feel forsaken, yes, but in you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them every time. To you they cried and were rescued every time. In you they trusted and were not put to shame ever. Don't you love verses 3 through 5? Okay, now, what's going on here between verses 1 and 2 and verses 3 through 5? Okay? In verses 1 and 2, David feels like God has forsaken him and is not helping him. And in verses 3 through 5, David says God doesn't forsake his people and he always helps his people. What's going on? I think what's going on is this. Even though David feels like God has forsaken him, he knows that that's not the truth about God. He knows that his feelings about God can be wrong. Right? Well, this is a really important lesson. Your feelings about God might be wrong. Okay? You do know that, right? This is really important to get down. Okay? You're, the way you feel about God could be wrong. The way you know if what you're feeling about God is right or wrong is by looking at the scriptures, okay? And so what's happening here in verses 3 through 5 is that David says, I'm feeling this way about you, God, but in your word I see and I know that's not how you are. That's not, you've not abandoned me. You've not forsaken me. You never forsake or abandon your people. And so David is talking to God about the truth of who God is. Whenever your people call upon you, Father, you rescue them. Anyone who's called upon you has never been put to shame. David's talking to God about the truth of who God is. That's a vital part of lamenting and, and of all prayer. Do you take time to talk to God about the truth of who God is? You say, well, why should I do that? I mean, God knows. I know. Why do I need to tell him what we, are, we all already know? Well, because there's something powerful that happens when you, you talk to the Father, you talk to Jesus, you talk to the Holy Spirit about truth of who the Father is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is. You fellowship with God in the truth of who he is because God will use that to change your feelings. That's what will happen. He 
he'll encourage you. He'll strengthen you. So David talks to God about God's perfect faithfulness to his people. He's moved from expressing his feelings of abandonment to then talking to God about his perfect faithfulness. Okay, then third, David explains his problem to God. Verses 6 through 8. But I am a worm and not a man. That's feeling low, right? You ever said that? Okay. Scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. So there's this mockery going on. So David explains his problem to the Lord. We'll see he does that again in verses 12 through 18 in even more detail. Let me ask you this. How many of you, when you've got a problem, explain the problem, talk to God about the problem in great detail? Do you do that? Do you talk to God about this person said this and then I've got this bill coming up and you know I, I, I don't have a job and the job market's tough and I got turned down by this person. I'm very, I mean, do, you, do you go into detail about your problems with God? David did. Now it's not because God didn't know. Okay? God knew everything David was telling him. That's not why David went over his problems. But the reason is because The reason we need to do that isn't because we need to tell God. It's because we need to connect with God about the details of the problems that we're facing. Too many people feel like walking with Jesus is like you've got this bubble over here where everything's supposed to always be fine. And then your problems are over here somewhere. We need to connect those bubbles, okay, so that you're connecting with Jesus about your problems. You're talking to Jesus about your problems, your disappointments, Your frustrations, what's happening in your relationships, what's happening with your health, what's happening in your finances, what's happening in your spiritual life. You're talking to him about the problems. That's what David does here because he wants to and we need to connect with Jesus about our problems. Okay, now there's a danger. How many of you have ever talked to God about your problems and you've you've, you've, you've done it so well I've done this, right? I've, I've done such a thorough job talking to Jesus about my problems that I've forgotten about Jesus. And I'm, oh, things really are bad, okay? Anybody else ever done that? David doesn't do that. He only gives three verses here. He's got some more coming up, but, but he takes a break from talking about his problems. And in verses 9 through 10, he talks to God about God's past faithfulness to him. Okay, previously it was God's perfect faithfulness to his people. Now he's getting more personal, his past faithfulness to him. Verses 9 and 10. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from birth. And from my mother's womb you have been my God. From my mother's womb. God, you have been my God, which means you've been faithful to me. So David's looking back over the course of his life. From birth, God was faithful to him. So look at what David's doing. Verses 6 through 8, he says, I've got big problems. Verses 9 through 10, he says, but you are faithful. Now that's a great formula for prayer. I've got problems, but you are faithful. Okay, if you could pray that, like, 
I, I need a job and the job market's tough. But you, God, have always been faithful to me. I've got a relationship that's falling apart. Looks impossible to get reconciled. But you, God, are faithful. I've got a decision I've got to make. Don't know what to do. I've got to make it quick. But you, God, are faithful. Would you pray that about your problems? This is so transforming. I've got problems. Here's my problems. I feel like a worm. Okay, not a man. People are mocking me. People are trying to kill me. Yet you, Lord, are faithful. That will transform you. And that's true because God is faithful. Okay, the fifth thing David does is he asks for God's help. Verses 11 through 21. Long section here. Now notice, in verse 11, and then again verses 19 through 21, David asks for help. And in between, he gives more details about his problem. He sandwiches the problem between requests for help. That's helpful too. Verse 11. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. There is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. These These men seeking to destroy me are strong like bulls. They're strong bulls of Bashan. Bashan produced some very strong bulls, okay? Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. He's describing his problem. Dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They've pierced my hands and feet. Allusion to the cross there again. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for clothing they cast lots. For my clothing they cast lots. Now back to asking. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help. Come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You've rescued me from the horns of the wild ox. So a crucial part of lamenting, you've expressed how you're feeling before God. You've talked to God about his perfect faithfulness to his people. You've described to God the problem. You've talked about God about his past faithfulness to you. You also need to spend time asking God for help, for deliverance. And notice he does that five ways. Verse 11, be not far from me. Verse 19, be not far off. Come quickly to my aid. Verse 20, deliver my soul from the sword. And then verse 21, save me. Okay, so there's five crucial parts of lamenting before Jesus. You express exactly how you're feeling before the Lord. You, I forgot what was the second one. You, you talked to God about his perfect faithfulness to his people, right? You describe the problem. You talk to God about his past faithfulness to you. And then you ask him for help. Now, at this point in the psalm, something profound happens. Remember in verse 1, David is saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David is feeling like God has forsaken him. He's feeling that God has abandoned him. But then in verses 22 to 31, he is absolutely confident that God will deliver him. And not just will deliver him, but that he will deliver everyone 
anywhere who calls upon him. So look at verses 22 through 31. Profound change from how he was feeling in verse 1. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. David's just exulting at this point at who God is. Verse 25, from you comes my praise. My, my praising you amongst other people is because of what you've already done in me. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted, the needy, shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. And then he broadens it out. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Those who are trusting Jesus who died, they'll worship him. Those whose lives were taken from them will worship him. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. Future generations will hear about God's deliverances that he has done it. Verse one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then in verse two, he's praising God. Verse 23, he's calling everyone to praise him. Verse 24, he says, God does not despise anyone who calls on him. Verse 27, God's faithfulness will be praised by all the nations. Verse 31, future generations will hear of God's righteousness. What's happened between verse one and verses 22 through 31? It's the same thing that will happen to you and to me when we give time to lamenting before the Lord. If you will give time to expressing your heart feelings to God, being absolutely honest, gut honest about how you're feeling, about your circumstances and about him, and then if you will turn your eyes to the truth of God's faithfulness to his people all through the scriptures, and then if you will go in detail about the problem that you're facing, and then if you will talk to God about his faithfulness to you in your past, and if you will ask him for help, if you will give time to these five elements of lamenting before God, I promise you, I, I promise you, if you come to God in the name of Jesus and pray these five elements, God will pour his Holy Spirit out upon you and meet you. Just like Paul mentions in Romans fifteen thirteen, he will fill you. Just like David's filled here, he will fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. David has not been delivered yet. But David knows that deliverance is coming. He knows. And he's abounding in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I long for us to be a church that knows how to lament before God. Lament before Jesus because he will turn your mourning into dancing even before the deliverance comes.
You'll put off your sackcloth. You'll be celebrating and praising him even before the deliverance comes because you will know God has been faithful to his people every time he will be faithful to you now. Just like Heidi said, deliverance is coming. He's going to do something awesome for Rick and Heidi as they shared this. Now let me, let me share with you how my, my grandfather experienced this. I, just, I love this story. I think maybe I've told it here before, but Jan didn't remember it, so maybe not. Anyway... In the 1930s, okay, my grandpa was a, a pastor in Orange County down in Southern California, and this was during the depth of the Depression. And uh, his six-year-old son, only child, my dad, okay, Danny, uh, became very sick with pneumonia. And this was the days before there were any antibiotics, and all you could do was just wait. And so they, they watched and waited as the pneumonia slowly was filling up his lungs, and as his lungs were sending less and less oxygen to his body, and as his breathing got more and more labored, and as his pulse got weaker and weaker over a period of weeks, okay? Okay, then January 8th, 1932, uh, my grandpa was at an appointment in L.A., and he got a phone call from his wife, my grandma, uh, and she, she was very concerned. And she said that, that there's like a, a, a mucus plug that's, and, and, and Danny's coughing and he's, he's hardly able to breathe. It looks like he's dying. Could you please come home? And so he got into his car and drove the 30 miles because there weren't, wasn't the 405 freeway then. And, and so it must have taken him a chunk of time to get home. And so he's driving home. And, and, and he, he's, he told us as he shared the story with my dad that he felt rebellion against God rising up in his heart as he's driving home. And here's what he said he prayed. Oh, Lord, I've tried to serve you, but if you take our little boy, I'm through. This is the one thing I just can't endure. I can't go on if you take him. He's not pretending. and He's not separating. He's lamenting. And then he said, after a few more miles, and I'm not sure exactly what happened between that and the few more miles, he said his heart began to change. And here's what he started to pray from the heart. Yes, Lord, your ways are best. I yield to you and want your will done. And then he said he found himself singing uh, a, a hymn that was a popular hymn at the time. And here's how the lyrics go. I will say yes to Jesus. Yes, Lord, forever. Yes. I'll welcome all your blessed will and sweetly answer yes. So you see what had happened? From I'm through, I can't, I can't take this, to yes, Lord, whatever your will is, a profound change had taken place because he was lamenting before the Lord. I'm sure he, was, he expressed his feelings, we, we read that, and I'm sure he was reflecting on God's promises, God's faithfulness. He was talking about my dad's illness. He was asking God to heal him. He was reflecting on God's past faithfulness in his life, and he'd seen God do some amazing things. And in the process of that, his heart was transformed. Okay, well, when he got home, the doctor was there and said, we have to rush Danny to the hospital. He's dying. And they drove him to the hospital. While they were driving to the hospital, his breathing 
became easier. And when they got there, they rushed him into the x-ray room and the clog was gone. He was dissolved. And as you know, he lived. He's my dad. Okay. But see, the point is, we have to learn to lament. None of us in this room take to the Lord Jesus enough of what you feel. None of us do. Even those of you who know exactly what I'm talking about with lamenting. You don't either. I don't either. And many of you take very little of how you're really feeling to the Lord. He wants you to come to him as you are. To express your feelings. To reflect on his faithfulness. To describe your problem. To reflect on his faithfulness to you. To ask him for help. And as you do that, he will meet you. He will meet you. He will change your heart. He will encourage you. He will pour his love into your heart. So what I want to do is take time now for a lab. Okay? You got time? Good? Perfect? And I just want us to to walk through. I want to walk you through this process. Because you've all got something right now that you could stand to express to the Lord. Some disappointment. Some fear. Some anger. Some hopelessness. Some discouragement. Some frustration. Some something like that. And I just want us to get... I'm asking that the Lord wouldn't just have us be something we're going through the motions, but that he would be gracious to let us have at least a little taste. So you might just get a little taste of, ooh, yes, he does. He he, he might change my heart if I went home and continued this this afternoon. Okay? So let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would be gracious to come and meet us now. This might feel a little awkward to do this right now, but I, I, I pray that you would come. In fact, some of you might even just want to kneel down where you are or maybe move somewhere else in the room. If you do, that's totally fine. Just make yourself comfortable. But I just want to, want to give you some time now where you're lamenting before the Lord. So start off by expressing your feelings to Jesus right now. Just talk to him. Tell him. Honestly, gut honest, how you're feeling. Go ahead and do that. Don't say to yourself, you know, Christians aren't supposed to feel this way. We do. There's lots of things we aren't supposed to do, but we do. And he knows. And he wants you to come and to to lay these things at his feet and to tell him exactly what's going on in your heart. You may need to confess some of what you're expressing to him. We'll do that. But still, express it to him. Connect with him about what's really happening in your heart. Do that. Maybe you're really feeling that God has forsaken you or abandoned you in some way. If that's how you're feeling, express that to him. He already knows And you need to open your heart up to him about that. You need to connect with him about that. Okay, then take some time and and talk to Jesus about how, about his perfect faithfulness to his people. All through church history, no one who's called upon him has been ashamed. Every time someone's called upon him, He's met them. So, so talk to Jesus about his perfect faithfulness 
all through history to his people. He's never broken a promise. He's always delivered everyone who's called upon him. Talk to him about that. Okay, then take some time and and describe in some detail the problem you're facing. Tell him about it. Again, he knows this isn't for his benefit, but you need to connect with Jesus about the problem you're in. He wants to be there with you. He wants to be in that with you. He wants you to be with him as you're facing that problem. So tell him about the details of it. Then take some time to talk to Jesus about his past faithfulness to you. From your mother's womb, he's been faithful to you. Talk to him about the details of that. If you're having a hard time seeing that, ask him to show you. He will. He has been faithful to you. Okay, now ask him for help. Ask him to deliver you. Ask him to solve the problem. Ask him. Put it in many different ways. But ask him for help right now. And I pray, Lord, that as we do this, I pray that you would be filling us, or at least giving us tastes of the beginnings of a filling with all joy and peace in believing. And that we would start to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the truth is, you will be faithful to us as we call upon you. You always have been. You always will be. You will be faithful to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us as a church to be a people who know how to lament. That when our hearts are feeling sadness, heartbrokenness, grief, frustration, despair, even feeling like you've abandoned us or forsaken us, that we would not pretend and not separate from you, but lament before you, like David did here. So strengthen us in this, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so pick this up this afternoon. Do this this week. Let's be a people who know how to lament well.